0: My name is Charlie P.S. and I am now the host of Music On Your Own Terms podcast. We're still recording and we're waiting for Simon.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Music On Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 132. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at terrace studioscom or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. This episode, I talk to alt-rock singer-songwriter Charlie P.S. from Vancouver, Canada. She talks about how her dad encouraged her love of music from a young age, coincidentally when they lived in the UK, the move to Canada, graduating music college, as well as the influences that have shaped her sound. We learn about the highs of 2019, where Charlie played a run of memorable shows and festivals, to the lows of covid which left Charlie uninspired and at a low point with her mental health. Charlie goes on to discuss the events that turned this low point around, to the positive outlook she has now, and her various inspirations for upcoming music and collaborations, including some with her boyfriend Johnny, himself a musician. Finally, Charlie regales us with the story of how she got a tattoo of a radio station logo to have a shot of winning a large sum of money that she'd hoped to put towards her music career. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm talking with a uh, Vancouver-based singer, alt-rock singer, Charlie P.S. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I guess for to start off with, um, for anyone who doesn't know your music and, and know anything about you, what would you say your music sounds like? Like, who, who are your s- similar artists?
2: I
0: like to think I'm a mix between sort of Elking, that Elking that Southern vibe, along with like the Dorothy sort of alt rock side. I have a lot of um, classic influences, so Stevie Nicks and Hart. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a really great Canadian artist I just found. Her name's JJ Wild. We kind of have a similar style going on there too. So just sort of in the alt rock, Southern rock, classic rock. Mm-hmm. zone I thought it was someone said to me with my latest song oh it's you're you're it's so classic rock and I was like how can how can this now be classic rock like you know you kind of always
1: right. it, it's it's surpassed being you know a a, st- a a time period and now it's it's a genre
0: mm-hmm. that was a first for me I was like oh okay all right I'll take it I love it
1: yeah I mean I wrote down alt rock with a tinge of country
0: I'll take if it. I fought the country thing for so long, so I think I'm just ready to kind of embrace like this southern rock thing that's that's happening. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's let's get into, you know, where it all started. What what made you like what got you into music in the first place and then what made you want to start playing an instrument and singing?
0: I I just grew up with a big musical household. My parents were always listening to to classic rock music and you know just a a huge mix of things tina turner brian adams queen some of freddie mercury solo stuff just a plethora of different genres and so always yeah i always grew up you know our our household loving music and then Mm -hmm. sort of grew up with like the british pop thing going on as well you know Spice Girls S Club 7 and and so I was just sort of attacked from all genres growing up which was great and then I moved from England to Canada and just started playing in all my school's talent shows and you know all that kind of fundraisers and stuff you know where where everybody starts I guess and then decided that I I loved performing and I loved playing for people and I loved music and and, uh, and so I started looking at any local music schools in the area and we actually have like a really great or ha- had a great music school in Nelson where I grew up in, uh, here in BC and took the music program right after high school, jumped into it and just learned so much about the industry and myself as a performer and learned kind of like how to hone in on what I wanted to do. Cause of course it was still, you know, I wasn't sure what like what I wanted to get into and mm. and it kind of just centered me and and then just from there moved to Vancouver to pursue music and I've just been here ever since sort of building on on my career and performing anywhere I can and mm. um yeah that's kind of the the build up
1: awesome so yeah I mean having having grown up when the Spice Girls were at their peak I can definitely say I I felt attacked <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> so what what age did you move from the uk to uh, canada
0: i was uh eight 2001 i believe
1: okay yeah
2: That's, yeah Two. actually, 2002 uh, 2002
1: i actually moved in 2000 uh, oh, did i was you? a lot older than eight though <laughs> but um <laughs> cool so what i mean what was it that prompted you to pick up an instrument though, rather than just get into music? I mean, it was, it were, you, you said you had a, a musical household, but you, you, you play guitar as well. Is there an, oh, and piano I saw as well. So, I mean, are there any, any family influences that like said, here, ha- have this instrument or was it just like stealing it or like, my, how, how did it come about?
0: Yeah. My dad had a guitar, so he kind of, wanted me to get into playing guitar and it was actually a bit of a struggle back and forth with uh guitar and piano just because I didn't I didn't get guitar when I first picked it up like as just like sort of an amateur player I could you know play open chords and whatever but just the whole concept of it I just it just wasn't clicking with me and a lot of artists that I was looking um or that I was idolizing at the time were all kind of at sit like sat at pianos like I was very um I loved Adele in middle school and I was like, I want to play piano like Adele. And and so I took some piano lessons and kind of learned the basics of piano and and then kind of taught myself by ear uh, after my basic lessons, which was great because when I got into um, music college, they kind of teach you theory based stuff all on piano. So it actually worked Mm -hmm. out really well that I kind of put guitar down for the time being and piano was just such an easier instrument to learn just the like the fundamentals of music and and understand just like more on a linear scale right so and Mm -hmm. then I graduated from from music school and then I I picked the guitar back up and I was like oh I get this now you know and so it was like and then it became the struggle of I don't have a car to get me to any of my gigs. And so if I'm taking the train, I should probably learn guitar over a big keyboard piano. So then I switch back to guitar. So I love both, but just for different reasons. And um,
2: hmm.
0: I think my dad was happy to get me going with guitar, but he was, you know, he was pretty happy if I was musical at all. So that's cool. Yeah.
1: So do, do you make a living from music right now or you got a day job and doing it on the side? Like, how, how's it working for you?
0: Right. So I don't make a living from music. I For the past six years since I moved to Vancouver, I started working at a local music venue. It's called the Commodore Ballroom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I would say it's one of the, apart from the stadiums, obviously, but the, the biggest venues in the city are capped about a thousand people. They're infamous for having all the up and coming. So, you know, it's the history of that place is unbelievable. They had... They've had everyone from like Louis Armstrong, Sting, Lady Gaga played right. there when she was up and coming. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah, it's a crazy history. So I, I've been working there for six years and then just sort of music, my focus half on half half, but haven't been making a lot of money for music. I, I think it's just, it's such a, I, I don't remember when it got such a hard industry to make money from. <laughs> I, when
1: everyone could release their music. And they didn't need a record label to do it, as when. But I mean, it definitely sounds like you work in the music industry, regardless of whether you're making a living from your your own music. So, you know, you you what what do you do at that venue?
0: I just serve. I've uh, just been, which is great because it's hmm. it's very independent. You know, we get in there, we all have different sections, and we we serve our section, and. We get to, you know, kind of watch the show while it's going on. It's a pretty epic job. Absolutely. And it's kind of been a good way for me to stay motivated and inspired. So even though I'm not making a lot of money from my music, it's been nice to make money in a setting that I'm enjoying, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think for me, the the goal ultimately would be to kind of move into like a production role, maybe not necessarily at the Commodore, but just move up and move more into like the behind the scenes of stuff. And I think the goal for me would to be juggling my music career, and then the production role side of things. That's kind of been the goal for the past little while. But with COVID, uh-huh. the Commodore shut down. I've kind of just been sitting here on EI waiting for things to open and get back to it. And so it's been, that's been tough. But I think September yeah, here in BC, we're looking at, opening back up live concerts so there's you know a light on the horizon
1: that's great and the, and the other thing too is 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 you, if you're around it you're always listening you're always learning so it's perfect what would you say you've learnt in terms of you know seeing seeing artists from the stage and also like crowd interaction you know how how the uh, the crowd artist kind of relationship is on the floor from your perspective like what what kind of things have you learned
0: so so many (laughs) it's like that's the best part of the job is like you it's different every night you know Mm. what i mean so you have a you have a show like a i don't know just a rock show and so you know that the interaction is going to be like everybody wants to get up front everybody wants to like you know feel the sweat feel the whatever you know they're really like engaged and singing along and rowdy And then some nights you'll, you'll show up and it's, you know, more of like an acoustic artist or it's like the kind of crowd that they want to. So we, we serve food. We have a kitchen as well. So, and, um, a full bar service. So, you know, it's like a different sort of fight. It's not a fight to the front of the stage. It's like a fight for the table. So then we,
2: Mm.
0: so it, but it's, and then some people don't want anything from you at all it's just maybe like a water night and, and you walk away with not a lot. and, And that's just like how it goes. And, and i it's one of the parts of the job that's like a bit of a um a bit of a risk but i like it i like that you never know what you're going to get and, and crowd wise it's the same it changes every night with every show and it's some nights it like electricity in the room and people are really like you can see people are like looking at each other people they don't know and they're like having a moment with strangers and and it's really beautiful and then some nights some people are punching other strangers and you're like, Okay. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's that, such a it's that's such gotta a be
1: g- an R and B show.
0: No, you know what? It's all uh it's I'm all kidding. it's it's all the butt rock. I I hate yeah, to, I I, to use I was that kidding. word, but <laughs>
1: if, if you are you familiar with Brian Possein at all? Mm mm. So he he do you watch the big bang theory at all?
0: No, I haven't. My boyfriend is getting trying to get me to watch it, but no I okay. never see. Okay. So
1: it. so Brian Posehn is a is a stand-up comedian. He he has a part in the later series, but he does this he he talks a lot about metal and how, you know, you, you never you, you basically you see another metal head and you're like, yeah, metal, but you never see that for like R&B or easy listening. I was just, that's why I said R&B. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's usually the uh, the mosh pits where people get a bit aggro, but they, yeah.
0: You know what? We you'd actually, a... yeah, you'd actually be surprised. So my boyfriend's actually uh, a metal artist. He's in uh, a couple of metal bands over here. Okay. And cool. um, even if I wasn't dating him, I would have this statement. Metal crowds at metal shows are the best crowds. They're like, the mosh pit looks like this big scary just Mm -hmm. cyclone but if you really look closely apart from the odd person that's trying to get in there and is being aggro someone's you know running around and it's just just a bunch of guys like getting out a bunch of a bunch of energy and whatever, and then someone falls down, and you'll you'll guaranteed mm-hmm. you'll see two guys pick that guy up, and they'll keep on rip, like ripping around, and it's like the, they're just the most nice, well behaved. They like to have a couple beers, but they also like to tip. They're just like metal crowd over almost almost any crowd. It's yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the the only reason I don't go into the mosh pit is because I'm too afraid of getting hurt. Because I get hurt when I do anything physical. Like, so why, why I'd never ski, but I'm usually to the side of the thing, just like, yeah, I'll just stand and watch the band. Yeah, yeah. I've never Woo! gotten into that, but um, yeah, I it's went to a, 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 sh- a punk
0: show. Uh, you probably know, um, oh my god, um, what are they called? They're my mom's favorite, pu- they punk band from England, and they are called What Era? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm, I can't remember, but. Um, we went to this show that my mom really wanted to go to and really loved, and she's like, "Let's go to the front!" And I and I, t- I take it the night off and and whatever, and so I was attending as a as a patron, and I was like, "I don't think we want to go to the front, mom. I think it's like kind of different than when." You know, you were going to punk shows and not. and she was like, no, we're going to go to the front. And I was like, all right. So it was like me and my like four foot nothing mom right at the front. And she's on the railing and I have my arms sort of like around her like a human shield, to this <laughs> tiny woman. And some girl behind me was kind of crowd killing and and just being really like just not not checking her surroundings. And she kept kind of hitting my mom and hitting me in the back of the head. And I kind of like kept. And kinda of turned around like, hey man, can you just like watch where you're and she and she said, If you can't handle being in the mosh pit, don't be in it, you pussy. And then she punched me in the face right in front of my mom, and wow. my mom was like, Going for this for this for this lady and the security and and so she got kicked out, which was great. <laughs> but uh it was yeah, I'm not really yeah, definitely not gonna be heading to the front of any metal or punk shows myself either.
1: <laughs> no, I one story I I had, I was with my son and we were at a metal show and the only hassle we got was this one girl that was obviously way over her head on whatever she took and the security was going to try and pull her out. It wasn't It wasn't aggressive. It was like she was swaying and running into people because she didn't know where she was. <laughs>
0: right. Those, so, it's sad. It's sad when we have yeah. complete shows where they're constantly trying to manage that. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, electronic kind of shows. And it's just a constant battle between security and and people who just, you know, went beyond their limit and took too much. And so for sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about what you did for a radio competition. Could you tell that story?
0: (laughs) Sure can. When you asked me to do this, I was like, hell yeah. And then the outcome. And I was like, ah, damn. No. (laughs) So I there was a, a local radio uh, station called the sea fox and they were doing a radio contest giving fifty thousand dollars to the person who could display their logo in like the biggest way and the most creative way and and all that stuff and i had seen it happening for for you know a month or two and i was thinking maybe i should do that like fifty thousand bucks it's a lot that's a lot of money it's a lot of studio time you know like yep the ca- pandemic has not been kind to my wallet so uh Yeah. So, so I kept seeing it. And then, and then one night it was like, everything went wrong. Our car broke down. We got stuck on the side of the highway and, and I got home and my laptop had died and I had, I had the the charger all taped up, you know, with the, Mm. with the duct tape and whatever. And I was like, man, I'm so tired of scraping by and, and sort of like hoping that luck will find me. I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to enter this contest. I'm gonna do it in the biggest ballsiest way that I can possibly think of. So I got a tattoo of the radio station, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I guess my my two motives were get the tattoo and get it to go as viral as possible. I was like, this is the recipe for success, you know? Like no one's gonna say that the tattoo isn't the bold move, and then hopefully the the um, online success of it will be enough to win this money. So I got the tattoo and I kind of like like vlogged my, my process and I made this video and I put it out on TikTok on a Friday night and woke up to like 60,000 views, 50,000 likes. There was like comments from like the Netherlands, New Zealand, Germany, US, Canada, England, just like crazy amount of love on it, which was awesome. So I was like, yes, this, this is good. This is, you know, I, I, I smashed my goal and and sort of just pushed the contest and pushed my entry up until the the day and I made it to the top 10 and then they announced the top five and I made it to the top five and then they got to the top three and they didn't say my name and I was crushed I was like so beyond a crush and I I I didn't even know how to react I guess it wasn't the tat- the fact that like, oh, no, the tattoo, like the tattoos here either way. Like it that, you know, it was just more like the all the things I was looking forward to spending that money on and like mm. dreaming of my next album and dreaming of getting a, a new laptop for the first time in 10 years and not sitting up to my like crappy old dresser that I'm currently sitting up to, you know, just like looking forward to things. So so when I didn't I didn't make it to top three or when It was, it was like, ah, I took this big risk and it didn't pay off. And I, I knew of the risks going into it. You know, I, I, I did sit on the idea for a couple of weeks before going ahead and just, and, and doing the whole thing. And, and I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe I didn't, I didn't think I was going to win for sure, but I, but because I, I smashed my goal on what I wanted to achieve to hopefully win. I, I was really hopeful, I think. So, so so then, yeah. So then, I I had to make the dreaded like, thanks for all the support. I uh, I didn't win post, which is like painful. Mm. <laughs> and um, but there's, you know, I I think now I've kind of processed it. It was like took the risk and it didn't pay off, and and maybe it's gonna pay off in other ways, and there's gonna be this silver lining and you know, the tattoo wise, not sure what I'll do with it, but I'm, you know, not going to stress out about something I can't change currently. And it was just kind of a crazy pipe dream that I was like, man, it's been a tough year. I could change my life. I want to take this risk. And as a musician, you get a lot of no's, you know, um, and you get a Mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of failure and it's just part of the process. And, uh, I'll, you know, find the money to do the, the album and the songs other ways, you know, I'll just keep applying for, for grants and trying to make money through music and that's all it can do. So that's kind of the big story.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the thing is you have the story, so you can you know tell that story a, a hundred different times, but the fact that you got it to go viral, it means that you've just exposed your music to a crap ton of people anyway. So that would be my silver lining right there that you've already seen what something can do. So like, how do you, you know, not, not that you want to get another tattoo of another radio station, but you know, there's, there's gotta be ways of leveraging what you've already built, you know, with that success. What, what ended up winning? Like what, what did the winner do?
0: There was uh, a guy who created sort of like a projector type, thing with two Pringles cans that he had duct taped together and there was a magnifying glass in the in the middle and then like a, a slide of the Fox logo and he projected it onto a, like a bridge in the city at night and he won. Interesting.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, like a, basically a bat signal out of Pringles cans.
0: Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, I, I, I mean, like you said, tattoos aren't permanent. You know, you can always get laser surgery. Yeah, cover
0: it up or laser, or even keep up. it for a good story. Like I'm just, like I said, I'm not been trying yeah. not to stress about it and just kind of like do, do whatever I can with it when, whenever I can. So, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough loss. But I mean, that guy, ne- I'm sure needed the money just as much as I did. So who am I to, right, for
1: sure, to say
0: what I, like, yeah, who am I to say, you know
1: absolutely have you had any uh noteworthy gigs i'm not i i think i saw so you played at is it tim horton's arena or stage or something i know tim horton's is a big deal in coffee in canada <laughs> yeah. but so obviously they sponsor something but I, I wasn't sure if that was a festival gig or if it was like a, a an arena show or a, well a, or a you know a, a permanent like theater or something right
0: yeah it was just a stage at a festival it was it mm. was something that i applied to do through through the city and they were throwing this big festival mm-hmm. and generally it's 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 more advanced musicians in their careers and so and i ended up winning the spot which was great they kind of picked out of the submissions and they picked me which is awesome so i got to pay play this toronto stage which was awesome mm. and i think in 2019 was the summer where i just i had a really great mix of of festivals and like uh playing festivals and working festivals because through the commodore i'm really lucky they get us to work other festivals and stuff if we want which is great so Mm. I, i mean i wouldn't say i have any huge noteworthy crazy shows up at this point but i did i did love the tour that we did that summer which included that that one show and it was sort of the first the first time I dipped my toes into like doing a run of a run of shows like that Mm -hmm. and we were it well it was first of all um funny to to realize like the the treatment that each festival gives is like kind of different you know and I had never experienced that before so and then there was just this great mix of people that were like coming up to me after all of the shows so we did a we did one show here in vancouver and then we did two nights at this rib fest in a place called penticton kind of four or five hours from here we did a canada day celebration in kelowna we did the the surrey fusion fest we did another fest in west vancouver like with this beautiful view in the back mm. so we did we we got to dip our toes in that summer and play like a lot of really different festivals and kind of make a feel out for who our audience was and what people liked and what people didn't and. So hoping for some bigger shows coming up here. I think that with sort of taking a back hit on on shows with the whole COVID thing, it'll be like a minute before we kind of get back to that. I think in 2022 I'll probably go back to playing, you know, shows and trying to grow that side of like my my music as a business, but I think for now I've I've kind of settle into this place where I'm really enjoying online stuff and recording and writing. Mm -hmm. And that was stuff I was weaker at. So I put it aside. Uh, And so now live music is getting back. I'm like slowly starting to think about it and excited for what's to come and seeing if we can get bigger shows. And, but yeah, for now, kind of just simmering on the writing, recording, you know, social side of things. So.
1: Awesome. I did see a couple of videos with a, with a, are you fronting a band called panic <laughs>
0: panic mode
1: mode that was it is is that a band you front uh, or i saw i saw something about a showcase
0: yeah we did a showcase at this local place called the roxy but it was just it was basically just we'd uh, just gotten out of music college and it was a bunch of guys mm. from music college and myself just did like created this rock band kind of thing where we did sort of a short stint of Uh, gigs playing mostly rock covers. It was really fun though because all of them are just unreal players, and we would just like absolutely, like just smash it. (laughs) It was it was a lot of fun. Mm. But you know, more like original projects started getting in the way, and we all got busy, and we kind of just you know this was fun. Goodbye, and went on our went our way, and we're also friends and that. But so yeah, that was more. I think when I first started gigging in the city, I I really wasn't. I'm not saying that I'm. Like I, I don't have a whole lot of originals now. I'm still really trying to work hard on my songwriting. But um, when I first started getting to the city, I was like, I want a gig, no matter what it is. I'll do cover gigs. I'll do whatever. I like, and just, and then it kind of like created this barrier between me working on original music because I was too busy learning all these covers. Mm. And so, you know, kind of hopped in and out of a bunch of cover bands, just doing vocals and making like kind of easy money that way, playing in bars and stuff like that. And then, kind of, kind of wanted to get back into. Original stuff because my sound as an artist wasn't developing because I wasn't working on it, you know. Right.
1: Yeah, but it's still good experience. A lot of uh, I, uh, there's so many people I've talked to that said there's there's no substitute for you know learning stagecraft in front of people. So yeah,
0: totally. I uh, so, I hosted. Yeah. A, um. Sorry, so
1: go who, go, Sorry, go ahead. I
0: was just gonna say I hosted karaoke for a couple of years and that was the best. It was to to get me through college, so I I hosted when I was in music school, and it was the best thing I did for my stage performance skills because you're a karaoke, everyone's drunk, no one gives a shit, you know? It's, like, it's a great way to
1: practice. Absolutely. So do you follow anyone in particular as far as, you know, music marketing or, you know, music business, you know, training and and things like that or any, any particular blogs or podcasts or anything you follow?
0: I... Kind of a bunch of different small ones there's a guy called you know what i think i did this course or this kind of like program in november through this company called canada's music incubator and mm-hmm. i did this whole artist entrepreneur course so it was the first time that i had like really delved into like that second layer of the music industry that's you know the ins and outs of everything business marketing whatever and it really changed my whole perspective in my career and and so i wouldn't say there's anyone i i i watch or look at in particular i do kind of just get I, I one of the things i've been doing is getting it wherever i can get it there's if there's a workshop i'll take it if there's like a a podcast i'll listen to it if someone recommends me someone recommended me this guy on youtube i can't remember his name he does like the 21 things you need to adam ivy yes yeah. Like the 21 things you yeah. do uh, mm-hmm. up to release date, you know, which I think is a good thing to do, but also a bad thing to do, because it's again, like you're getting information from every angle. And so you have to pick and choose what you think is right, what's going to work for you, because everybody is saying so many different things about what you should be doing and who you should be talking oh. to. And so it's it's been a it's been a good experience to learn so much, but it's also been like sort of trying to find my way and weave my way into finding what works for me because what works for me might not work for you, might not work for whoever, you know. And so right. there's no one in particular that I that I listen to. I have been listening to this great podcast. It's this radio host. She hosts The Verge. Her name's Sarah Burke. She does this really great podcast called Women in Media and she interviews a bunch of ladies mm-hmm. and female identifying people that have had experience in the in the industry for many years, either as like radio hosts or anything like that. So that's been really cool. And then everywhere else I can get it, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the more you consume, the more you start to hear the similar ideas just from different perspectives. And I think once you start getting an idea of the big points that everyone's kind of saying the same thing in a different way, then you kind of pay attention to those and When there's this weird strategy that someone's doing and no one else is, you kind of take it with a pinch of salt. You know, there's no silver bullet for anything. It's it's like you said, it's finding your way and you know figuring out what works and what doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been really like liberating going into this new release with everything in mind as just sort of like a learning process and taking everything as sort of like data for next time. And Mm. it's been, it's been good because it's, it, it's sort of like a weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, this didn't work, but this was the experiment and we're going to move on for next time. And, and, and just noticing little trends and people that like what I'm doing or people that don't like what I'm doing or that kind of thing. It's been, it's been a great process and to, and to try and do opposite of what people have been telling me. So people were like, you got to get a PR person and a radio tracker and you're, and that's how you're going to whatever and i was like i even if i wanted to do that i don't have the money to do that so i'll just do it myself and i did it myself and you know the the only risk was time and maybe you know less mm. press than i would have helped i would have hoped for or or gotten through someone who did pr but it was nice to experiment with going opposite of what someone had urged me to do and it actually kind of working out
1: so absolutely Let's talk about your songwriting process a little bit. I, I noticed you've got a couple of singles and an EP on Spotify. Is there an album coming? Maybe.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I have I got a lot to write about and I think for the for 2020 when I kind of sat there moping and wondering why things weren't happening and not making them happen for myself cuz COVID, you know, kind of just put everything on hold. I I wish I could have been one of the the musicians that said yeah i you know took the bull by the horns made the most of it and i just didn't i just couldn't i was just uninspired and unmotivated and you know Mm -hmm. lost everything and and just had a big old mope fest about it and and then luckily this cmi artist program came up and like kind of just focused me back in again and, and now i feel like i'm bursting with things to write about and so much that like i need to go in and like Write it all down, organize my thoughts into, you know, what I want to write about with what song. And and so that's a great feeling having not felt that in mm. a year. And now I'm ready ready to, to rock for sure. So I think a lot of those thoughts and l- life lessons and all that stuff is going to be put into either, I, I don't want to say an, l- an LP, but probably an EP with some singles around that too by the end of next year. I need to sit down and like really prioritize goal list out because I think that's kind of what works best for me in my process and Mm. and but yeah lots to write about these days it feels
1: like cool do you start with the lyrics and then work on the music after or is it does it does it happen whatever inspires you
0: a little bit of everything so sometimes it starts with lyrics if something's in my head or stuck in my head with a situation that happened or something like that I'll sit down and, and and I'll write and I'll write out some lyrics that have been kind of jangling around in my head and then and then start to melody and chords to that and then sometimes I'll sit down at the piano or the guitar I think piano I find writing easier on just because I am a bit more fluid on piano mm-hmm. and maybe come up with a chord progression that I think is really cool or I'll pick up guitar and start strumming something and and kind of like vibe with that and then but then lately as well I've been kind of doing the opposite where like a friend or something and I will be jamming and he'll play like a riff or or uh, with like, so with Ghost of You, it started out as one line, like one line. It was, I got the ghost of you inside of my head. It was like that. And then I told my boyfriend Johnny about it. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of feeling like this very like alt-southern dark And then the next thing kind of started coming on what I'm supposed to do. He's already dead. And then he started coming up with like this little bam, bam, and then we sort of, it was nice to co-write on that. We kind of created that together. So Mm. it depends what it's about. It depends on what comes first. And I think with Ghost of You being like the first character based song that I wrote, I attacked it from a different songwriting perspective than I would normally because it wasn't normally what i have typically wrote about up until now that's
1: cool yeah i i i I tend to like i mean i'm I'm not much of a uh i don't really listen to country all that much but when stuff piques my interest it's usually something that has a very strong very strong narrative to it like a character or or a really you know strong story so yeah i mean that i think I think when it's music, I listen to the most, in terms of genres. The music kind of speaks to me more, but yeah, when it's when it's music that I don't necessarily listen to, it's the story that that really you know brings me in. Mm,
0: totally, totally agree. So, what uh, what kind of music do you like? Piques your interest more
1: the most? Basically, pro- um, anything proggy. The last few years have been quite heavily uh death metal and and you know doom and death metal based but i've i've i'm into pretty much anything yeah anything from 80s synth wave jazz what what but yeah mainly very very extreme metal nice that that is more technical
0: nice that's awesome yeah that's my my boyfriend's super metal he's in one like uh i think it's death metal and then Another, like couple sub, sub-genre metal bands, but it, it's definitely opened my eyes to how, because, like, how talented all those, those people are. Because, from, you know, from like the average Joe that listens to, like, oh, they're just screaming and it's just like, it's just all this noise. And then, if you really, you know, really understanding like the, the technicality of everything, uh. it's those players are insanely talented and insanely, I just don't even know how to begin to like describe how someone who goes and writes like a song in like 17, eight, like, what does that even mean? That's genius. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, and and talking about aggressive vocals specifically, you know, that if you do it wrong, you can shred your vocal cords. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually, you know, not, not that singing in itself is not, you know, or cannot be technical, but, that, that has that extra layer of uh, you know danger to it almost if you get it wrong
0: 100 um, so my uh...
1: yeah and 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 the te- technical players too it, again the speed and accuracy and everything that they they put into it you know you could easily hurt yourself doing all those motions you really have to be in good shape whether it just be your guitar you know playing guitar and your fingers and your, your, your hands to a drummer. That's, you know, they're essentially at that level, you're an athlete.
0: hundred percent. It's, I could, I, yeah, it like blows me away, you know? And it's, and, I, and I'm still like, I still get like kind of anxiety when Johnny plays metal, but like, I'm still enjoying it you know whereas like for him and I'm sure for you it's kind of the opposite like it like chills him out and Mm -hmm. and going back to the vocals thing Johnny's been screaming for a number of years but I've really been nailing the warm up, cool down thing to him because he kind of just like lets it rip and, and screams on stage and then he comes off stage and doesn't cool down and he's talking loud to people and whatever. And then coming home and not wearing earplugs and just like, and and it's just like, I'm like, you're going to hurt. So, and he wakes up the next day. Like I, i hurt everything just hurts and he's and his voice is just like this gravelly like and so and so uh, i've been taking vocal lessons since january this year i took some back in music school but i wanted to jump back in and kind of refresh everything and Mm. so i've been kind of dragging him along oh i got my lesson today come and do my lesson you know we're gonna and and i make you know try and make sure he warms up and cools down because yeah like you said it's it's i don't know how people don't destroy their vocal cords doing scream vocals, but it's – yeah, it's – they're just talented, talented people.
1: Absolutely. So let's move on to the uh, the non-quickfire question round. What significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you?
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm kind of currently going through that. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good – that's a hard one. I think just the uh, – I think, you know what? COVID is like the biggest, the biggest thing. It completely changed who I am as a person and how I see myself and like my music and and how, and how now how I see it, like it's a business and, and how I see everybody else. Like I, yeah, it's been the number one thing for me because I think I was forced to slow down when I slowed down. I realized Mm. like a lot of gaps in my life that I that I wasn't taking care of and like my mental health being one of those things too was super, super huge. Like always kind of like an overthinker and like a, and like a, what if this happens kind of, kind of person. And then when, but I was, I was so busy all the time, like working and music and, and I, and 2019 being like the most, the most successful year that I'd had. And then that totally just stopping and everything slowing down. Mm. I had time to like really like reevaluate everything in my life and and kind of like deal with my mental health of overthinking and over worrying and kind of learning how to just chill (laughs) to put it (laughs) bluntly like to just yeah just to rethink situations and things and not always the worst is going to happen and you know uh, and so a big part of COVID was fixing my mental health it was slowing down and figuring out those gaps. And then uh, it was sort of picking back up and realizing where I need to like redirect myself to move forward and, and, you know, through learning and stuff. So it's like when it was happening slash in the middle of it all, I was like, this is the worst year, like, everything i don't know how i'm going to pick up from this i'm uninspired i'm not writing Oh, look at all those people that are making the most of this why am i not doing that and it was just the worst and then Mm. and then tumbling sort of into growing and learning and now being on the other side definitely the the biggest bad situation that i ended up getting it like working on myself and getting out of for sure and getting a tattoo and not winning fifty thousand dollars is number two <laughs> but
1: awesome yeah what major positive experience has given you the push to follow this journey
0: definitely the I hate to you know repeat myself but definitely that that artist entrepreneur program it was like mm. it was like learning everything that I felt like I had been lacking and I had been missing and I and I was behind on I was like constantly behind and and it like kind of brought me up to speed and it and I've feel more confident I feel more like a business person I feel a bit more like I know who I am maybe that's just a mixture of the whole COVID journey and that but that was such a huge catalyst to wanting to get better not just in myself Mm. but in my music and I wanted to I picked back up singing lessons I wanted to learn and I wanted to you know I used to think that like success or or my purpose was to be doing things but i think a big part of it now i realize is like learning and growing in Mm -hmm. in that respect because yeah just it's it's been really satisfying to move forward as a person and then that sort of also helping me move forward with music so it's kind of hand in hand you know does that make sense absolutely yeah
1: yeah awesome what does music mean to you
0: it's like it's like a just a creative outlet to this is gonna sound so generic but just like this creative outlet where it like if i'm having a bad day and i'll put on my playlist that that just like amps me up it it totally reframes my mind it like reminds me all the things that i have to look forward to and it, it can take take me from i think that's why i was so bummed for for covid because i was so unmotivated I wasn't even listening to music Mm. so i was just sitting being bummed and then as of like recently if i'm like feeling kind of bummed or just having an off day or had a bad sleep and i'm just feeling kind of ugh, i'll like put on music and it will totally change my day and i and and so from a listener's perspective that's what what it means to me but then on like a creative perspective it I don't know how I would I would get down all of these like thoughts and feelings or situations that happened and put it into music. I don't know what I would do without that. You know, I think I would I would need like a lot of therapy <laughs> and like uh, and to write a book or I don't know, it's just like for everything that's happening and, you know, the overwhelming thought process of just being a human, it's mm. the number one way to just channel all that into something. And it's like I was kind of saying before, it's really gratifying to watch myself grow as a, as a person through music and through kind of what I'm doing and I'm sort of taking it less seriously but more seriously at the same time less seriously in that I'm happy to experiment and you know I fought the country thing forever and now I'm not fighting and I'm actually kind of back where I wanted to be all along and then right. you know taking it more seriously and trying to learn and and so yeah fantastic thanks yeah
1: so what does your uh, where did you come up with the the uh, the name P.S. Like why Charlie P.S.
0: Yeah, my last name is Pears Smith. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I was like, that's long and doesn't roll off the tongue, and so <laughs> I just Charlie P.S.
1: I was gonna say maybe it's like a some kind of uh, you know writing, like it's. Uh, I know what I want to say, but I'm I'm <laughs> having trouble with it. Like a, it's like a, a you know postscript in a letter, where you're where you're saying, it's almost like a narrative, like your letter writing in your songs,
0: mm-hmm. like a play on words kind of thing yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, that's what someone else had said to me recently as well. And I, if you've ever submitted music onto like or distributors or Spotify or anything, you have to pick a label. And of course, I don't have a label, so you can I can pick anything I want. So I put Postscriptum Records. That's my record label. There you go. But yeah, yeah. What you what you just said, like yes, a couple people have said that. And hey, if that's the, if that's the story that sticks out, I'm happy for that either. But it was just a a classic case of uh, my name is too long and just need to I don't know just make it a little easier, shorter, and sweeter. You know.
1: There you go. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe that will come into play later on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So. I'll definitely keep that in the, in the bank for sure, just in case.
1: Awesome. So wh- if people want to get in touch and listen to your music, where can they go?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I am at Charlie PS Music pretty much everywhere. Spotify, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I'm on Spotify as Charlie PS. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me.
1: Fantastic. At the end of the interview, I always like to play a song from the artist I'm interviewing. So, what song can we hear?
0: Can we do "Ghost of You"? Absolutely. Hell yeah! Thank you.
1: So, any uh, any stories or any stories about the recording of it, or any stories about the actual song?
0: Yeah, this was the first one that I I the first song that I had done that I took to a producer. So. I, I kept coming up with all these songs and had really great like skeletons of this song. And I was like, it needs more and it needs something. And people that I was working with were great up until that point. And then we'd get stuck. And then, you know, there's been many songs where I've just kind of tossed it aside because just couldn't figure it out. And so this one, I was like, no, no, I, I want to figure it out. I want to take it to someone. And so I ended up long story short, being connected with my producer, Dan Ponich, And it was like, I'm not the greatest at explaining what I want. Like I find because I'm not super studio technical, I have a hard time putting into words what's in my head. And for me and Dan, it was like, you know, Dan, I just want this thing, you know, like we the thing. And he'd be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he would just make it happen. And it was like, we were just like, so brain connected on that front. And we use this really cool telephone mic. So the vocals are doubled, the lead vocals. And one side is just a regular, I think it might have been a Sure SM7B. And then on the other side, there's this company um, that make these really cool telephone mics out of old World War II microphones. Mm. And it creates this like telephone kind of effect. Uh, and so we double pan those vocals or double pan, double track those vocals and then pan them to either side. And so they sort of sit. Yeah, they sit in this like kind of cool crunchy spot because I like the telephone esque theme but just by itself was like a bit too over the top you couldn't understand anything I was saying and so that was really cool that was a really fun song to work on it was nice to connect with Dan on like ideas we had sonically and experiment with what we had and and so I'm looking forward to kind of heading back into studio with him for the next one but it was yeah we we felt really good about the work that we had done once everything was finished so
1: that's awesome Mm -hmm. Thanks. great um, so yeah, we'll listen to that at the end. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. So yeah, continued success.
0: Likewise. Thanks for having me. This is great. I, um, we connected on Instagram earlier, uh, this year, I think. And so, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, I hope, I hope he asks me to be on his podcast. And then all it took was a tattoo and a, and a failed attempt for money. So I'm a, uh, i am I go. appreciate, I appreciate you having me here.
1: Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items, such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service, including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store, so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how The Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Charlie Ps with Ghost of You
2: I got the ghost of you inside of my head. What I'm supposed to do the blood has been shed. He got a dark past in a soul that.